Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Or with Marty Carpenter and Leah Murray. Uh, we're rolling with you today, and we're almost through a whole hour at this right. point. I mean, geez, it's like it just flies by when we're here together, Leah. Because it's such a good time. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's actually more fun when the show's not on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part you should really hear. That's when Leah really lets loose. Oh, Let that's right. That's right. Just, no filter and uh, just make, <laughs> lets it rock and roll at that point. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about the uh, the deficit last uh, last time around. That new report from the there there is also, by the way, a new report released from the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, not the CBO, which is the one we were talking about last segment. The GAO has revealed some pretty shocking things when it comes to higher education. And this hits home because you work at the Weber State University I and I attended the Weber State. You went, you're a graduate of Syracuse. You're an orange person. What's no, the right term? The orange. The orange now. It's like completely gender neutral. When you were there, was it the orange men? No, then the it orange? was orange men and orange women, right? Oh, okay. but, so it became the orange at some point. <laughs> okay. Now it's just the orange. It's just the orange. Right? Like Stanford became the cardinal, right? right? It's like that. Okay. <laughs> a little bit different, I guess, but sort of in the same vein. Yeah. Uh, okay. So- Colleges are, according to this report, concealing their true prices in financial aid offer letters. Uh, how has this been allowed to happen? How does it actually happen? And what can parents and students do to prevent mis- being misled about the costs of college? And to me, this sounds a lot like Apple's terms and conditions. Nobody reads it. You just want the thing, and so you accept it and move on. Right, except I think that we were talking about this in between, right? Like for someone like me going to Syracuse University, I was not that wealthy, right? So there had to be some support. And the school sends you a financial aid package and you say, thank you. (laughs) Because you're (laughs) like, I want to go to the school. I got in. And I need the money, right? Um, So I think that's how it happens. We've got Preston Cooper, who is a senior fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, to talk us through more just my personal experience of getting this. Preston, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Preston, tell us, what did the GAO find? I mean, like, what are we talking about, this financial transparency in their communications with their students? So the Government Accountability Office released a report earlier this week, and basically what they did is they looked at a a national sample, a representative sample of about 500 financial aid board letters. Now, these are the letters that a, a student will get from their college when, they, uh, when they're accepted. It will detail what kind of aid they're getting, uh, what their net price is, uh, what, you know, what they owe after aid, and uh, what kind of loans that they're going to get, or at least that's how it's supposed to work. So what the GAO found is that many colleges are not being clear and are sometimes being outright deceptive uh, when they're presenting these financial aid award letters to students. The GAO found that 91% of these award letters understated 
uh, the actual net price that students would need to pay, or sometimes did not state that at all. And most egregiously, a quarter of these award letters did not actually distinguish between grants, which you don't have to pay back, and loans, which you do. You know, some of these letters would, uh, would give students loans without actually telling students that they were taking on a loan. So, Preston, is this a matter of, like, the the numbers are kind of fancy accounting so that a normal person can't really figure it out? Is it the language of the way it's being presented? Is it just that it's overly complex when it should be much simpler and clearer for someone who's doing this for maybe the one and only time they will have to or the only time they'll have to do it until they have their own kids going to college? Where, where's the deception? Well, so it's all of the above. You know, a lot of times the people who are looking at this are – 17-year-old, 18-year-old high school seniors, and they're presented with this very complicated financial aid award letter that is not standardized. And there are a number of different problems, uh, ways that this is, this has been going wrong. So one of the, uh, one of the key issues that the Government Accountability Office identified is that it's not always clear what the actual price is that students will have to pay. So there's one award letter that says, you know, the student has to pay a net price of zero. It sounds great. It says zero on the bottom line. But it's uh, when you find a frame, it turns out that that school is actually pushing $40,000 in federal student loans on that student. So the actual price that the student is paying is over $40,000. But the price on the bottom, which appears to be the net price in that award letter, says zero. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you're a savvy accountant, you could figure that out. But when you're sending this to a 17-year-old high school student, I think that's kind of deceptive. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so on Monday, Representatives Virginia Fox, a Republican from North Carolina, and Lisa McLean, a Republican from Michigan, introduced this College Cost Transparency and Student Protection Act, trying to address these issues the GIO identified. Do you think that the, this act works? Like, are the solutions they're pushing, would that actually solve the problem? Yeah, so just a little bit of context. You know, if you're a couple, a 30-year-old couple, you're applying for a mortgage from a private bank, you have a standardized disclosure letter that is telling you exactly how much you're borrowing and exactly what your monthly payment is going to be. But if you're an 18-year-old seeking a loan from taxpayers to go to college, there's no kind of standardized disclosure requirement like that. And so what these, uh, these two congresswomen are doing is that they're uh, introducing a bill that is going to try and correct that. It doesn't go as far as creating a standardized disclosure, but it says to colleges, hey, you know, if you want to access, you know, federal taxpayer grants and loans, there are certain rules you have to abide by. You have to be honest about the net price that you're charging students. You can't include loans in the net price. You can't say that the net price is lower than it actually is. And you also have to include an estimate of what students' monthly loan payments are going to be once they graduate so that they have some context on how much they're borrowing. And they also have to include 
of what students' estimated monthly earnings are going to be after graduation. So you can see both your loan payment and your estimated earnings and figure out, is this loan that I'm taking out for school, is that going to be affordable or not? Am I going to have the earnings capacity to actually pay this back, or am I going to be stuck in a hole of debt? So we've identified a problem, we've identified a potential solution, but in the meantime, what can parents and students do to avoid being misled about college costs? Is there something they can do in the immediate <laughs> to, to decipher what's actually being presented to them? Well, there's a couple things you could do. So I think, number one, when you get that financial aid award letter, go over that with a microscope, you know? <laughs> Make sure that you understand what the, every single line of our award letter means. Make sure you understand what the grant, what the loan, you know, what are you going to have to pay back and what is actually a gift that you won't have to pay back. And I would also say make use of resources that are out there to help you gauge what the cost and value of college is going to be. So there's a federal resource called the College Scorecard. You can find it at collegescorecard.ed.gov. And uh, that will, you can go there and you can look up uh, any college, any program, and that will tell you what these students tend to uh, graduate with in terms of debt. How much debt do they have when they graduate? And also, what do they earn when they graduate? And you can kind of compare and contrast these numbers to figure out, is this an, uh, one, an option that's going to lead to economic mobility? And number two, is this an option that's going to leave me with an affordable student loan payment? Preston Cooper, Senior Fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So did you write all those down? Yes. Take those notes. You are a dad <laughs> of a senior who is thinking of going to college, and you're ready. Well, no, not at all. <laughs> not, I'm not, not ready in any sense of that sentence. Am I ready for her to go to college? No. Am I ready to decipher language on financial aid or cost oh, of college. Oh, you know, and that no, is such a good point, too. Like, pause right there for just a moment, what you just said, which was so sweet. Am I ready for her to go to college? To a certain extent, my goodness, I hope that students are not looking at these things, right? So the way Preston talked about it, like an 18-year-old. Like, yeah. my dad was sitting next to me when we read my financial aid package, and I wonder if, like, that's just a really vulnerable time, too. Do you know what I mean? So what you've got is a parent who's really sad, um, and they're thinking, I want to give my child everything they want. And so they're not in the best frame of mind, maybe to be fiscally yeah. you know, really reasonable. I mean, not to say that people are unreasonable, but I just yeah. wonder if that's another part of this is kids don't know what they're talking about and the parents are a wreck. Yeah. And the kids trust the parents for the right. most, like in, right. a, in, you know, in a majority of the situations, you kind of say, well, what do you think, mom and dad? Right. What should I do? And mom and dad have to try to figure it out and make the best decision they can at, yes, right. An emotionally vulnerable time. I can tell you that what you learn as a parent with a senior in high school is that when the clock or the calendar moves from 17 years to 18 years and they're suddenly legally an adult and you go, oh, wait, you're you're the same person you were two days ago. Don't don't sign anything legally binding. Right. Come see me first and we'll figure that out together. I think the same applies here. Right. Okay. So coming back after the break, we're going to have a conversation um, with Jonathan Sweet about Putin and his axis of evil. And maybe it's crumbling. Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news.
few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.